Hello, welcome to episode 97 of the Going Upstairs podcast from Opening Up Cricket. We have a small series of podcast episodes coming up before the beginning of the UK season, which are all focused on what makes a supportive team environment. We've got a range of perspectives on this. The first one in this episode is from Ethan Bamber of Middlesex and one of our team here at Open Up Cricket. He's giving his view on what he sees in his own setting and elsewhere to give just that idea that we can all think about in our own settings, whether it be cricket or otherwise, about what we can do to support others and how it looks when it all comes together and people do feel like they're going in the right direction. That connection as part of mental wellbeing being the focus here for us. Enjoy. Maybe the thing which is discussed the most whenever actually I have a conversation with Ethan is the team environment and what happens in professional sports to make people play better. But what we're looking at today is probably more, in fact, definitely more on that side of just looking out for people and being supportive. And if there are any lessons that the professional game can give to us in recreational cricket or our workplace or our family or anything like that. So quite a monumental task here that we're undertaking to try and get the answers to those questions. So first of all, Ethan, nice to see you. Hi, thanks for having me. Nice to see you too. Now you've got um, a perspective, I'd say now, as you're having uh, getting to the point now of completing your second winter down under where you can draw perhaps some things from that I guess intermediate position that the Premier Cricket holds where it's so close in some ways in standard to professional cricket but then of course is still the club game and then as well of course as you experience it at, at Middlesex and elsewhere so first of all what does it mean to you if we were to say a team culture or environment what should it look like? Oh gosh I I would be instantly wary of prescribing anything on a kind of whole scale um, basis just because I think one of the great things about an environmental culture and a successful one is that it's bespoke and unique to the particular context and situation that it emerges from. Um, I would say I've been lucky to be in some really positive environments um, and also had moments maybe where there have been less positive things and I think think the use of buzzwords is a very common thing right now but I I think things which come out organically from the environment so they're they are naturally important to the people within that environment and that the players the staff the stakeholders really in that team or that organization um feel in some way connected to the behaviours that seem the most common and the most prevalent. I think um, the word authenticity is maybe overused, misunderstood, certainly by me sometimes. But for something to work, where you are trying to instill behaviours or instill a way of being, I think it really has to be believed by the people acting now. Otherwise, in the crux moments, which is really where I suppose a team culture is demonstrated or organisations' cultures is truly seen um, if it's not authentic and understood to be powerful by the people within, I think it would crumble. 
Mm. Uh, with that, it's often, I think if I'm taking the next stage from, from your point there, it's often when, and I'll just use another little cliche here, uh, when the chips are down or things mm. aren't going so well, is when you probably really see how good a, a culture or an environment is. And interestingly enough, I was uh, talking with a group of players uh, earlier this week who said that their that their sort of best moment uh, culturally or, or as a team and connecting with each other was having had a really bad season and then realising that they got each other's back and they wanted to, to do it for each other and to make those improvements. So mm. I think it's interesting when the light shines on exactly what's underneath and that sort of authenticity um with this then how much of the environment when it's focused on performance so your outcome whatever it is you want it to win a title a cup have a particular outcome in terms of the the sport itself how much can can that then be at the detriment of supporting individuals and i mean supporting in terms of their own individual performance but also just them as the person who's coming to work as it were i think you highlighted a really difficult balance in professional sport in the modern era where rightly and hopefully the well-being of athletes and staff um their mental health as well as their physical health um and their their kind of fitness as a human being as well as as a professional is taken into account. Obviously, the flip side of that is that our jobs and our livelihoods rely on us getting contracts and contracts rely on performance and performance relies on winning games. So um, it's very hard to disconnect the two. I think ideally you find a way of, of focusing on one and allowing the other to take care of itself. Um, and I'll let people listening decide which one of those I think you should focus on and which one you should let deal with itself. Um, I think from a playing standpoint, you think if I'm in a good place as a person, if I'm looked after, if I feel understood, um, then I can do my best work on the field and maybe then contribute to positive results. Um, In saying that, even as I'm saying that, I don't want to take any responsibility away from the individual. It's also, if I get myself in the right place, if I take the time to look after myself, then I'm able to contribute fully to the team. Um, And I think any environment which enables people to do that, um, and I would almost go so far as explicitly highlighting that that's something that's important, um, I think a lot of times these things can be spoken about and I know we've spoken before perhaps about the superficial um, references and understanding of mental health and mental well-being and in our own experiences of professional sport. Um, I think that has to be demonstrated and lived by the people in um, authoritative positions within the organisation in order that those other people in the team see that it's okay to focus on those things, see that it's important to focus on those things, and they therefore get themselves in the best place to perform. Um, And I do believe that then results take care of itself. You're in that environment, especially at the level that we're talking about, you're in that environment because you're able to perform, because you have the skills necessary to perform at that level. Um, And so therefore, where might that fall down is maybe if you're not in the best place to deliver those skills. 
So I think it's hugely important. So I've rambled a bit there. But I think it's it's so important to find a place where you can try and keep people really driven to win because that's why we're all there and to do well and to perform um, and to help your mates perform, but also to do that from, from the right place, from a healthy place. Yeah. And yeah, as we've said, it's that, that balance is like, I think it's probably the ongoing obsession for those who do have an interest in both. It's a given that a, a coach or a captain or a leader would want to do well for performance. It's perhaps not a given that they would then have that wider perspective of how are people and how is the pursuit of the goals really something that can benefit bit our, our well-being because you think of all the things that people often say help them that make them feel healthier mentally about routine about attainment about uh, common connections all those things pursuing a goal in terms of winning a league or even improving on the previous year is something that can transfer into the health area maybe people don't sort of appreciate that because the men- conversation about mental health can still be about just avoidance of illness rather than the, the flourishing aspect of it. Now, you've talked about these sort of authoritative figures and perhaps we're thinking of coaches or captains or a leadership group. Um, what about just that bit, that tier, if you like, underneath where it might be collections of of people who are just a bit closer to each other, who spend a bit more time with each other away from the pitch. That's, of course, still a really big part of the supportive team environment. What What's worked best for you um, so far in like how people have managed to make you feel supported? Not And as I say, not necessarily from, if you like, the top, mm-hmm. somebody's role it is have to look after people or to be seen as a figurehead but but the guys who are with you every day who might not be briefed with doing it yeah well i'm i feel really privileged in my own experience and i won't embarrass all the people with their exact names but um i've been really lucky and we i think we've been lucky as a club at middlesex um a lot of us have been together for a long time and i would say we're a group that knows each other very well um, and within that, there are some really, really strong friendships, which I think maybe haven't been there since I was 16, you take for granted. Um, but I certainly hope that I don't take those friends for granted if they're listening. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, five people in particular come to mind who have just been, to me, so supportive as friends and they've seen me as a as a person um, through some tricky periods and through some good periods, but and I'm not talking cricket, but just in myself, and I feel hugely grateful to have them. And I would, you know, the fact that we work together is a massive bonus um, because of the time spent. But really, I feel like we're we're proper friends, and um, cricket brought us together. But now there's a kind of relationship that exists alongside that. I'm also really lucky in Middlesex. Um, four of us have been able to be on the staff together um, from our junior boy, boyhood club where we all started playing when we were about seven or eight um, and you know we played a game <laughs> a first class game together last year um, and that is really it's surreal but it's also really nice because um, fortunately we're really really good friends and 
Um, I hope the four of us stay friends, but to see that journey is like, is cool. And then I guess on your specific point, it's like when you have a conversation with someone and you know they know the context behind everything, you don't have to explain anything. They, they've been through it with you. So their response is taking all that into account. I think it makes you feel uh, very well supported. Mm. That's look. That's such a nice example. The 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 group of you that have played the junior cricket and now playing first class mm-hmm. cricket. That, that must be. I mean, fairly. I mean, it, of course, it is unusual. But to have as many as as four from the one club in the in the same first class team. That's sort of. Um, that's the kind of thing that you, you see on like a bit of a trivia round, don't you? That's just such a a, a lovely, unusual development because of so many things that can get in the way of people progressing for that all to come together at one time is special um mm-hmm. and, and you definitely feel that that's the case for you and just reflecting on it from like the the opposite end uh, i would say that one of the things that i found probably the most challenging about having a supportive team environment in in recreational and club cricket is the turnover of players so i would look back and some of this is through rose tinted specs you know looking at the past as if it's uh, ideal compared to the present having played with people that i knew really well and the game was in was in some ways incidental because it was a chance to spend time with them and then i got to can't remember if it was last season or the season before and being quite a keen user of play cricket and the statistics i got into realizing that for something like it was it was a dozen or more games i played with a person in each game a different person in each game that i'd never played with before mm-hmm. uh, and i i'd like to be out going and meet new people but also one of the things that i've come to realize i i like about cricket is some of the familiarity of the friendships that have built up over years and it would strange to have to sort of introduce myself and and do that which sounds I was reluctant to say it because it sounds like I didn't want to meet these people and they're lovely guys but it was just sort of I kind of would have liked to play with the people who were there in 2008 for example yeah. rather than that so with that say there's a, there's examples there from you of people who who naturally support as friends a wider group who are supportive as well what's the challenge about that turnover of players that you you do have not to the extent of a third or yeah. fourth eleven cricket where it can be people bringing along their dog to play as the 11th man but from one season to the next where a key person might leave or someone new comes in mm. is it how implied is it that there's a certain cultural environment and how explicit is it well i think i think in an ideal world someone comes into a place and they're able to recognize quite quickly what is thought to be important and what is valued. Um, and at the same time, they feel that they can express themselves and get to know people. It's going to be a really interesting dynamic at the moment. Um, at Middlesex, when I get back, um, we've signed uh, Liz Boy and Henry Brooks, two guys who are coming to the squad as like, you know, well-respected, like senior players. They're, who will contribute massively to the club at a high level. And they're going to be big personalities in the dressing room. I don't know either of them particularly well, um, but they're going to naturally in a, in a team um, and people don't like the word. There is a 
there will be a high, there's like there's a natural hierarchy and order. And if you come in as someone with a with a good record and um, who's thought to be a really good person, which obviously they both are, then you're going to have a big impact on the on on the group. Um, so it's it's going to be a really interesting challenge for us, I think, as a team of being together for a long time, um, and maybe got us comfortable in some of those relationships, and maybe haven't pushed the boundaries that we should have done. I think it'll be a really healthy thing to have new people come in and question um, why do we do things in a certain way, and to bring new energy and to bring new um, interests and thoughts and perspectives. I think one of you know and we've spoken about it um, <laughs> as a group and as mates within that group. That it's really nice having a, a, a team, you know, as you've spoken to there in club cricket, and and the same when I go back to North Mid, I know exactly what I'm going to get. People, um, the humour, the comfort, but I think sometimes, particularly in a professional environment, it's really important for those norms to be challenged, for those boundaries to be pushed, um, and for people to come in, as I said, with a different perspective. So I'm actually really looking forward to seeing how we deal with that, and I hope that we can be open-minded. Um, and kind of humble enough to to listen and to integrate um, and maybe to change some of the ways that we do things because um, I think that's how you evolve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think by the sounds of it, a lot of that will be on on how just individuals come come together to even just the simple act of on the first day that you're training with a new player, how do you say hello to them? Um, we've all been in situations where you're sort of hoping that someone will come over and say hello and introduce you to a few people because otherwise yeah. it can be quite intimidating, whether that's at cricket or that's a new place of work or a new setting. So with those uh, those, indivi- <clears throat> those individual um, interactions, when we think of supporting each other from a cricket perspective or, uh, or elsewhere, how much do you find that there's a scope to be able to assist someone as a, a whether it's a one-to-one or a little group of people swapping ideas or is that something that you would generally be left towards the coach or the management because that's that's their job or is it something that can be just done in a in a way that evolves nicely amongst a group yeah I, th- I think ideally it would be that absolutely and like you know we've got guys in our team who are, have so much knowledge and are so generous in sharing it that that will happen very organically. I think, crucially, you have to build a relationship with someone. You have to take the time to build a relationship with someone to um, earn the right to have those conversations. Um, And I think asking questions is always a good place to start and maybe seeing what you can learn first before going and kind of prescribing, especially when someone's coming into the environment because they're finding their feet as well. And I think, hopefully they'll find a balance between their own behaviour and what they deem to be acceptable within the group. And, you know, people kind of tend towards what the rest of the people do, but you'd never want to want them to do that at the detriment of their own, um, like quirkiness or individuality. So I think you have to take time to get to know them and then you have to give them a chance to bed in. And you hope that the example of the group is enough. And then I suppose if, if there are particular things you wanted to talk about, then they could be brought up once you have that relationship. But I think that should come from the playing group, not the coaches, really. Um, I think at the age of any of us in the squad, obviously we have got some young guys at 18, but like 
you have to take responsibility for your own behavior and for the behavior of the environment you exist in. Um, and I think that's when I said it's most powerful. So um, the coaches are there to facilitate, to guide, to offer, um, and obviously to coach and to give insight. But I think really strong, the, the strongest teams I've played against always seem to have strong characters within the dressing room who drive, um, drive things. Mm. We mentioned before we press that uh, record button the concept of cultural architecture, which putting those two words together is almost like the sort of buzzword bingo, and we completed it. <laughs> uh, but I, I was saying to you, just using an old example, which I've come back to recently from Sven Joran Eriksson, perhaps because he's 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 really unwell and he's been in the news and it made me think about his influence on english football and for those who aren't aware of the cultural architecture it's the idea that in any group you'd have a certain group amount of people thinking his setting he said it would be two or three who really dictate the agenda like how things are whether it's a positive environment a negative one a supportive one anything like that now of course we'll all be in a number of different environments where the default is set by by certain people but what do you think is the, the the sort of simple things that can be done by those who are appointed or otherwise in those positions where they lead to make people feel like they are supportive and people look out for them and they they care for them all those things which we want but we can struggle to put our finger on how people feel like they're going to be in receipt of that? Well, that's a hard question. I, the one I'm definitely not qualified to answer. Um, I think it's difficult because there's a fine line, I think, between being really, I don't like the terms of skills because I think they're just skills, but being really gifted in that department but also being able to have the edge and the kind of decisive leadership that a strong leader needs in certain situations. I think listening is a really good place to start. Something I certainly don't do enough of um, listening and and really then trying to understand another person's perspective. Um, And even if you choose not to go for it, I think... There's a lot of research around people who feel that they have input and are heard in a decision. Even if the, the final decision is not exactly what they wanted, if they understand they were listened to, they were that there was a space for them to share their thoughts, then they're more likely to commit. Um, I think being able to get people then to commit to the final decision and being really clear with when you've made that, what that means, what that looks like, um, that helps people feel like they're on a path. Um, so they've been heard and now they know the direction they're going in. Um, and then I think finally, and it kind of comes back to the very first thing you said, I think being really upfront with people when when you're not entirely sure of the path going forward. And I say this is someone who's never really let anything, but I think people see through fudging it or trying to pretend or falling back on a buzzword or a word on a wall or something that happened 20 years ago, most people are intelligent enough, I think, to have a vague understanding of how things are going. Um, so I think if you listen to someone, if you give clear direction, 
And then if you are honest and transparent, um, as much as you're able to be, I, th- I, I think even if you disagree with decisions that are made, you can't really have qualms with the process there. Um, yeah. And I think the best, the, the best people I've experienced also have that gift of making you want to follow them of feeling like, you know, that they value you and therefore you want to do really well for yourself and for them. Um, and not because they're going to make you feel guilty if you don't, but just because you feel part of something that's important. Um, and you want to kind of live up to something. I like that feeling. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Now I've just got two more bits. One, uh, the penultimate here is, I guess, what might be the op- the opposite of where people do feel supported, included, connected. All these things, which if we take out of a cricket setting, are just huge wins for mm. how we maintain our, our well being, how we just how we feel healthy and, and happy and content. But the kind of opposite is where we might feel excluded. Um, I think everyone at one point in their life will have been in an environment or a place. He's get thesaurus out to get some new words mm. of these things yeah. where they've not felt like they're involved. And I think one of the things it can come to is stuff like how whatever we call the banter goes beyond just sort of that. And I've reflected recently, like when I was younger, I'm embarrassed about like some of the things I would say to people and it wouldn't just be me, it'd be a part of like a back and forth, but I'd be like, I'd love to have been sort of confident enough in myself to be able to say, I might not join in or lead that and just yeah, yeah. take a moment to say to someone, do you know what, actually, um, I thought you did bowl well or, you know, how's it going? How's school or how's college? And I try and do that now. Um, even sometimes if it does mean pushing against where people, the default might be just to like make fun of something and that might not be abusive. It might not even be something that people dislike, although you never know. But I just think that's almost like the wrong foot to get to get off on. So where's the line f- for you with that? Is that, of course, we still, you, I think, have a similar sort of sense of humour to me where we'll be kind of looking for the, the humour in things um sometimes maybe it's like oh you know that's not funny but i found it funny that kind of thing but where is mine in terms of if we're looking out for the people around us what what should be the place where we're like actually i'll I'll hold it back there i i I mean again ask me a lot of questions i'm not qualified to answer but i don't know i've definitely been guilty of jumping on a bandwagon for a bit of band taking the piss out of something that you kind of get in the car after training and you're like, that wasn't that funny. Um, I probably didn't need to go again there or whatever. Um, I think, although a lot of people who know me would, um, would attest to the fact I'm very highly strong, hopefully I don't take myself too seriously in every regard. And I do, as you say, enjoy, enjoy finding humor or taking the piss out of stuff. And I think you need to, especially in like a high pressure high octane environment that's one of the great things about and great privilege of playing team sport is that there's that like you walk in the morning you've got a haircut and just like five people just nail you straight away even if it's the best haircut ever you just get hammered or you say what you got up to the weekend and three blokes are like pretending to be asleep and like it's just it, it it wouldn't it wouldn't be as fun if that didn't happen but i would hope 
that I am a, well, I think you know instinctively. I just think you get a sense intuitively when something is not right from the person on the receiving end's reaction, from the flavor and the energy in the conversation. I think that it can change very quickly, but it's very clear sense when it goes from like that really like sparky, natural, organic, fun, like just makes going to suddenly something that's got a bit of an edge to it and that maybe is a bit targeted. And so I hope that I'm try and look out for that as much as I can. Um, definitely don't always get it right. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think if one tries to do stuff with kindness and with a bit of compassion um, and tries Again, it almost like comes back to the relationships. If you've got a really good relationship with someone, I don't think you'll fuck up those moments. I don't think you will get those bits wrong because you know them and you know where the line is. Um, so if you have that relationship, you're able to quickly discern what is right and what is not. I think it's when, definitely in my own experience, when I've tried to get a cheap laugh or be someone I'm not or impress someone, that's when I've, when, when I've misstepped. Um, when it hasn't been authentic to use that that, that overuse word, when it's been with an agenda of trying to one-upmanship being, that's when I'll definitely misstep. So, yeah, again, a very long answer, the short question, but... No, 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 it's a good answer. And I think going back to what you've said at the beginning of your last two points, that you're not don't feel you're qualified to answer, I think in the sort of spirit of what we're, we're saying here, it, this is about a perspective so your perspective is is you know is highly valid because that's what we're what we're after here it's not necessarily intended to be the view of the pro- the professional cricketers or of a particular man definitely not i i think i think there'll be enough that people would sort of either understand from their own experience or or won't in which case it's probably just as relevant if not more to go oh that's a different way of, of looking at it the last thing that i want to mention and i think it does come back i mean i'm going to say authentic here even though we're trying to ban the word i think that this is like i found so important because if i take an example here of you go in you're open at cricket and you might have a talk with a club and might have a bit of a conversation afterwards and people are really keen often to to want to do something in their club to make people feel supported and to make them feel like there's an option for them within the club to maybe get a little bit, a little bit of help with something that they're struggling with, or just know that there's people who who do care. And care is a word which often blokes can recoil from because it's going to expose you to being soft when really it's quite strong to be able to 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 be there for people. But um, the thing that I found, you know, you'll have people who might speak about this, and you can tell it's to a degree um a sort of box ticking exercise it's sort of something we want to be seen to do but then i remembered i always remember these two examples of someone standing up literally standing up once and another time figuratively on a zoom conversation where in their own words so it wasn't like martin luther king giving this great address to people it was very much that person's personality but it was so impactful because those people knew they meant it, the way they phrased it. And it was nothing more than someone saying, 
I, I've been through something which was dreadful. So I don't want others to have to experience the similar things. So please let, let me be someone you can talk to. And that's what we're after all, all the time, isn't it? People to advocate that. And it can get lost when people say it probably insincerely and it's, it's for appearance. And, but these two, I'll always remember the, the, how they did it. And I was just blown away because it's like those people listening, they are left in no doubt that they are someone who cares about this. And if it was that they wanted to speak to someone, I think they would feel that that person is the option because of that. And I've kind of gone the long way around this, but the thing that I wanted to ask just just to finish is, how comfortable do you think we can be or should be in giving those little bits of not advice, but little bits of what works for us with other people about our well-being now those things can often then translate to things that are good for our performance for example mindfulness and meditation brilliant you can be a justin lang who uses it for focus and concentration squeeze everything out of your ability but you can also do it to have 10 minutes to switch off from the chaos in your life well i think what i'm saying is where where should we be what should the role of a teammate be to be able to give a little bit of themselves to say, you know what, this works for me without lecturing someone to just get a conversation going, which helps people to borrow things from others. I think that's a really good point because as you say, it's, you want to try and help your teammates or anyone who you have a relationship with and where you see some parallels between that experience and your own experience. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to kind of preach or or be heavy-handed in how you offer that advice because, and as we keep coming back to, one's own experience is so individual. But I think like, you know, people say like in the army, not speaking facts, not opinions or whatever. I think you can share really clearly if there's any methods or things that have been useful for you and make it clear that that is your own experience. But if someone is open and maybe that's a good place to start saying like, would you, you know, how are you feeling about this? Are you open to some potential ideas on things you could do to address it or to come at it from a different angle? And if they're like, no, I'm pretty happy, then that's fine. I think you've, you've shown a willingness to be there and to support and you've also respected their own decision. Um, and so I think that's something that I would like to try and do more is to actually ask that question rather than just launching it and to try and find a footing of where someone might be at. And if they say, yeah, yeah, actually, like, you know, I'm a bit bit lost here, I'd quite like somewhere to start, or then maybe that's when you can share your own experience. So I found this really useful, or actually, you know, I, I had a friend who um, looked at this and I tried it, it didn't quite work for me, but they said it was really good. So I, I think that may be a way to go about it. I don't think it's an exact science. There's a perfect way. Um, and there are people who naturally have that wonderful kind of... Um, like at the same time or like empathetic but at the same time um kind of uh, weighty way about them that you just think i just want to know what you did and i want to try that um but i started to have that and um we might all rest with it so maybe yeah trying to work out if the person's open to it in the first place and then just sharing your own experience um as a as a as like a way into the conversation so yeah no I think that's a lovely place to finish.